The goal, in my opinion, is to keep things out of the court system. You would much rather be able to find ways to navigate and negotiate with your ex to make sure both of you are getting something that's fair and works for you rather than turn it over to a judge to decide for you based on the state laws. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Now, here is Kathleen. This episode is sponsored by PlanWell, BeWell. PlanWell, BeWell is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you, and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com. I'm excited for our conversation today on the Breaking Money Silence podcast. We are going to be talking about negotiating a divorce. And yes, it's a negotiation. It's important to take care of yourself during this important money talk. And to discuss this topic and share some tips, tools, and insight is my friend and colleague, Lauren Hockett. She is the founder of Plan Well, Be Well, and she is also a managing partner at Hockett Financial Group. Uh, she's going to share her wisdom with us as we discuss negotiating a divorce. Welcome. Thank you, Kathleen. I'm really happy to be here and very grateful to call you my friend as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, before we get into the the meat of this conversation, I would be really curious how you became passionate about uh, planning and helping women plan through divorce. That's an excellent question. And, you know, as a certified financial planner, I, I had seen women navigate this process. Typically, still, even in this day and age, we see a lot of women who are not as financially focused in the relationship and don't have a good grasp of the finances. And then divorce hits and it becomes very challenging. So I was passionate about that, but then also having walked through this process myself. And as a financial professional, recognizing how stressful and overwhelming all the other aspects were, and I had a really good grasp of the financial piece of things. So my desire and passion for helping women through this is just a, a recognizing how difficult and overwhelming it can be. And if I, as a financial professional, can provide some clarity and guidance to alleviate some of that stress, I am just grateful that I have the opportunity to do that for people. Yeah. And I know that I've consulted with you, not that I'm getting a divorce. I don't want to tell anybody that I'm getting a divorce, but I have <laughs> consulted with you about you know, the different stages of divorce and different financial planning and emotional aspects. And it's been really helpful for us to collaborate in that way. So I think it's really great that not only professionally you have been able to help women, that you also have this insight from your own experience. And I know you've certainly landed on your feet and thrived uh, after your divorce. Uh, but one of the things that I'm really curious about is often women don't think about divorce as a negotiation. They think of it as a thing that happens to them or something that they're going through. But I often feel when I talk to friends or when I talk to clients, 
they often talk about it as being not an active negotiation, but something that kind of happens to them. So help us understand how it can be or if it should be a negotiation and, and how that mindset might be helpful to our listeners. I think oftentimes the reason people think of it as something that happens to them, well, primarily we want to acknowledge, yes, it's something that once you start the process, people just really want to get through it, whether it be because they're, they don't want to sit in the uncomfortableness of the divorce process or they're eager to start that next chapter of their lives. All of that is very understandable. But in order to start that next chapter of your life on solid footing and in a firm foundation, you do want to make sure that you are properly handling this whole divorce process. And it tends to be thought of as something that's happening to you or you're going through because we think about the court system being involved. So we really tend to think about those very contentious situations where two people just cannot agree on how to divide assets, how to handle custody, all of those things that you do have to negotiate during divorce. And it can be very, very challenging. It is one giant negotiation. And you're negotiating with someone who knows all of your strengths and weaknesses, someone who you probably don't have a very good relationship with at that moment in time. And it can be very, very trying. But the goal, in my opinion, is to keep things out of the court system, you would much rather be able to find ways to navigate and negotiate with your ex to make sure both of you are getting something that's fair and works for you rather than turn it over to a judge to decide for you based on the state laws. I agree. I mean, there's so many different ways in which you can get divorced or, or leading up to getting the divorce declared legal. So can you just review those at a high level for the listeners? Absolutely. So the two primary things that we think about when thinking about divorce are hiring an attorney. So you hire an attorney, your ex hires an attorney. Most of the negotiation may be done through the attorney's representing each of you as individuals. And then if that doesn't work, then they take the case before a judge and the judge will decide. The other primary route that people can take is going through mediation. And in mediation, you and your ex together hire a mediator. That could be an attorney. Sometimes it's a therapist who's trained in mediation and has an understanding of the laws of the state in which you reside. And they are there to act as exactly that, a mediator. So the two of you are the ones doing the negotiating, but you have someone available to you to talk about how the state might view this. If, if you took this before a judge, how would they likely decide on this issue? And that can help you and your soon-to-be ex negotiate better and be more reasonable in how you're approaching things and, and come to those decisions yourself. Now, in those instances, I would also highly recommend that you as an individual do seek some kind of legal counsel. Once you've made a decision and an agreement and, and drafted all of your documents, it is wise to consult with someone who can advocate for you because the mediator does not advocate for either one of you. They're there just to foster the negotiation and help you in the process. So I would also recommend that you seek out someone who can just review the agreements you've come to and, and make sure that it's all in your best interest as well. And from my experience, it actually 
with the mediation is a lot less expensive because you're not paying the attorneys till towards the end or periodically as opposed for the attorneys doing everything. Yes. And so in in situations where you are likely to be able to come to an agreement with your ex or if finances are really a stress and a strain, that's where we see people using mediation instead of hiring individual attorneys. Yeah. And so what do you think the biggest mistake is that you see women making in the divorce process? There are probably a few things that I see, but one of the biggest mistakes is becoming too attached to a particular asset. And in most cases, that is the home. And what happens is, and it comes from a good place most times, it's people have an emotional connection to the home in which perhaps they've raised their children or their children still live and they want to make sure that they're doing what they can to maintain a sense of normalcy for their kids during this trying time. But the problem with becoming too attached to an asset, whether it be the home or your pension or your retirement plan or whatever the case may be, is you lose a lot of negotiating power. Because when you are so focused on getting this one thing that you're willing to give up other things that could be a problem for you, especially when we're talking about a house. Depending on the circumstances, oftentimes taking on that financial obligation can be overwhelming as an individual. And the other thing, this dovetails with another mistake that I frequently see, is that people are far too focused on dividing things in equal dollar amounts and don't take into account really the value that these various assets represent. And in looking at the value, you have to think about what are the disposition or tax costs associated with these various assets. So equity in a house is very different from the same dollar amount in a 401k or a pension benefit or a taxable investment account. So people really need to take into consideration how are the assets going to grow in the future? Is this what's best going to support me moving forward as I look toward um, sending my kids off to college, look toward retirement, these variety of things? You want to make sure not only is this equitable now, but is it going to be equitable 10, 15 years down the road also? Well, and I also can appreciate the psychological aspect, especially of something like a home or if somebody has a business or maybe some stock that they had got from their parents that then it has an emotional attachment. So they want to hang on to it. Um, but you're right. It, like looking through how much a house actually costs, you know, equity is something that changes. You could have a ton of equity now and we all know there could be a crash and then you don't have very much equity at all, or you're uh, owing more than the house is worth. So what are the ways in which people can can really make sure that they're not getting too emotionally attached to one particular asset. And, and I almost mm -hmm. see it as kind of negotiating the whole. What do you think are the things, I mean, obviously yes. consulting somebody like you, but what else would be helpful in that process? I think what it comes down to really is a shift in mindset and recognizing that Yes, your ideal is to keep the house or to keep this particular thing. Or there's this sense of, as I mentioned with children, oftentimes I don't want to put the kids through more than they've already been through. What's important to recognize is to remind yourself, A, kids are resilient. What they really need 
is happy, healthy parents. So whether that be in the house they lived in last week or a different home, they will get through it. And you also have to have that mindset for yourself that this may be difficult. I may have to give up things that I think that I am attached to and really, really want and value. But recognize the goal here is to get yourself to a place where you can thrive and live your best life and create the life that you're looking to create after divorce. So part of what I do with clients is I help them look at their negotiation mindset. And you're talking about a mindset that's somewhat related to that. Do you think that that would be a useful exercise for someone to do to really understand their negotiation mindset and then do the overlay onto how is that impacting me during this divorce process? Yes. And I think some key points there are recognizing, for example, being patient. You don't have to respond to someone's request or demand right away. I have to laugh because I'm the most impatient person I know. So that would be a hard tip for me, but I hear what you're saying. (laughs) As am I. So this is coming from someone who is extremely impatient. And I very much value the people who surrounded me when I was going through the process myself and reminded me of this. Patience is key. And patience allows the other person to calm themselves as well and puts you both in a better mindset to negotiate. And you you have to just think about the long run, not just pulling off the Band-Aid and agreeing and getting through this, but really what's going to be the best in the long run. If this takes a, a month, two months longer because I'm being patient and making sure I'm in a mindset and a place to be able to hear the other person and communicate, which of course can be challenging. Everyone is going to come out better on the other side if you're able to do that. It's interesting because that is a tip that I often talk about with people who are negotiating their salary and negotiating a business deal. So it's very similar. It's negotiating a divorce and, and the best way not to get overly reactive is to give yourself a little space maybe make it, I'm not going to answer this email for the next at least 24 hours. Like I'm just not going to be reactive or I'm not going to return that phone call until I have some time to go exercise or talk with a girlfriend or whatever to kind of calm down. It seems like that is a really useful strategy that applies across the board. Absolutely. That is a tremendous piece of advice and, and I highly recommend people take it. We'll take a short break. You know that negotiating your fees and getting paid what you're worth is emotional business. And I know how to help you become a rock star negotiator. So I am offering an exclusive group experience, a masterclass on negotiating for a hand-selected group of businesswomen. So if you're highly motivated, career-driven, and ready to take a deep dive into your money story and learn how to shift sabotaging beliefs so you can earn more, then this masterclass is for you. I'm taking applications now, and space is limited to eight kick-ass women. You're going to get individual and group coaching, both facilitated by me, as well as video lessons, handouts, and a bunch of bonuses to help you become the rock star negotiator I know you are. So check it out at breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiating hyphen masterclass and register today. 
Let's get back to the episode. Now, one of the things that I'm curious about because of the day and, you know, the times we're in with COVID and the pandemic, do you know if divorces have increased or decreased as a result of the pandemic? Because I, I imagine, you know, being holed up and st- stuck together um, can be a blessing, but it also can be really a challenge, even in a very good marriage. Of course, of course. And so you would think naturally, well, divorce rates must be up. And that's what we heard at the beginning of COVID. You know, I remember people talking about divorce filings are up. And that was actually in reference to what we saw happening in China when they lifted some of their restrictions. They saw divorces skyrocket. But interestingly, Bowling Green State University conducted a study over 2020 in a number of different states. And what they found is actually divorce rates have declined and declined significantly. Now, wow. Yeah. To put it in perspective, and I think there are a number of reasons for that, and I don't think it will be long lasting, but to put it in perspective, divorce rates have been declining since the 1980s. And there are certain areas of the country where divorce rates still remain very, very high. But by and large, if we're talking about the United States as a whole, divorce rates have been declining. And in particular, during this time, they declined. For example, in Florida, they saw the divorce rate decline by 28% during COVID. And I think that that's indicative of a couple of things. One, the court systems being shut down and people simply not having access to be able to get things done. And secondarily, during times of severe financial instability and insecurity, and just the instability and insecurity that we've had in general in life, you see people tend to stay married when there is that kind of financial instability because as much as they may not want to be married to each other, they recognize financially, maybe this isn't the right time to do this. So, you know, pulling out my crystal ball and looking at it, I think that this, this suppression of divorce rates is temporary just because of what's been going on. And we'll probably see them spike and then probably revert to, to normal following that. Yeah. It's expensive to get a divorce. Is is there any information about what a typical divorce costs? Or does that really depend on the situation, the assets, the family? It's so many things, I imagine. It really depends on a lot. But just to give ballpark estimates, if you're talking about working with someone doing mediation, that could range from about $2,500 to $5,000 is a good ballpark estimate. And that doesn't include hiring your own attorney to review things if you choose to do that. And then if you are engaging with an attorney and all things go smoothly and as exactly as planned, perhaps you could get it done for as little as five to $10,000. But the moment things start becoming contentious or there are extra things that have to go on, you know, you you could be anywhere in the neighborhood of 50000 200,000. Again, to your point, it depends on the assets and what exactly is required. So if someone is listening and they are contemplating a divorce, what are some of the things that they can do now that might help them in the negotiation process later? I would say if you're in that contemplation phase, the most important thing to do is actually seek out a a therapist who can guide you. Because I think to be able to have clarity, make the decision that is best for you, and then be able to negotiate during the process if that's the path you choose 
you need to be in as solid a emotional and mental place as you can possibly be. So seeking out therapy, I would say, is number one. And then as you solidify that decision and perhaps start that process, consulting with an attorney. And even if you decide to take a mediation path, to consult with an attorney initially to just get a sense of what are my options, what might the cost be for my particular situation, and and how can this potentially play out? And as you're going through it, obviously that is going to be, whether it's an attorney or a mediator, those professionals are the ones you're going to rely on most heavily during the process of divorce. And then as you're shifting, and I would say engaging with either a certified financial planner or a certified divorce financial analyst in conjunction with a legal professional is probably going to be really critical for people where there are significant assets and they need that financial guidance and advice. The attorneys are great on the legal side and have tremendous financial understanding. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty of negotiating, it may be advantageous for you to engage with one of those types of financial professionals. And then once you're you're past the whole divorce phase, having a financial professional oftentimes, and, and I hate to generalize, but as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, still women tend to be the ones who may not be as financially savvy in in a partnership like this. And so stepping out on your own and now taking on full responsibility for your own finances to have a professional that you really trust and can work with who's going to empower you, educate you, and help you make those good financial decisions moving forward is really critical because the area I see most women having fear and concern about is the financial area. And if you can partner with someone who can help you navigate that and give you that confidence, you're just going to be that much more content, successful, and thriving. Yeah. I'm currently working on developing a workshop for a client of mine. And one of the statistics that just came to mind is that 57% of divorced women or, or women who are divorcing uh, find it to be a financial wake-up call. So in some way, it's either they need to get more financially involved or there's some sort of financial surprise or something happens. And the flip side of that and why I'm developing this workshop and it's it fits with all the work that you do, Lauren, is it also can be an incredible time of empowerment that both, again, personally, I can think of friends who have gone through divorces who have said they've become so much more involved in the money and initially were worried about that, but now are so thankful because they feel better about their relationship with money. I certainly teach that to the advisors and the clients that I work with. So, you know, I really do encourage people to listen to those steps. I, I, you know, as a recovered therapist, I I always think getting your emotional house in order Mm -hmm. makes sense. You're legally, only lawyers know what lawyers know. And then certainly someone like yourself who can help you understand what are the values of the assets now. And and when you're negotiating, what are the things like tax ramifications or, you know, present values and all sorts of stuff that, you know, the average Joe Schmo doesn't usually walk around thinking about. So I think those are, those are wonderful suggestions. Mm -hmm. Now, Lauren, as we kind of wind down, um, I'm wondering, is there, are there any last kind of thoughts or tips that you would want to leave listeners, whether they are, contemplating a divorce, having gone through a divorce, or maybe they're a friend of somebody who is experiencing, you know, this 
transition in their life? I would say to people who might be thinking about this to recognize preparation and patience is key. And if you can detach as much as possible from the emotional aspects of it to negotiate for yourself and make sure that you end up on the other side of this in a place where you're happy, healthy, and whole, not only financially, but emotionally and spiritually as well. Because at the end of the day, you want to be able to look back on this process and not view it as a negative. Of course, it's it's a learning experience. It's something no one necessarily wants to go through, but you want to be able to look back on it and see, as you mentioned before, how empowering it is and how much growth and success you can have in the future as a result of it. But patience and preparation are key. Yeah, those are great lessons for all of us and also for someone going through this transition. So we could talk for hours about this topic, but we don't have that time today on the podcast. So Lauren, tell us a little bit about where people can find out more about the great work that you're doing in this area. And I also know you're involved with some other organizations that offer resources and support as well. Yeah. So one uh, organization I'm involved with that offers resources and support for women navigating divorce is called The Graceful Exit. So you can find me uh, as a trusted professional on thegracefulexit.com, as well as tremendous resources for navigating from start to finish the entire process and for those supporting people going through this as well. And then the work that I do as a financial advisor, you can find out more about on my Instagram page, planwellbewell, or also at planwellbewell.com. Excellent. Well, it's always so much fun to break money silence with you. I appreciate you being on the uh, podcast today, being a sponsor of the Breaking Money Silence podcast and our series on negotiation. And I look forward to continuing the conversation offline. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Thanks. This episode is sponsored by Plan Well, Be Well. Plan Well, Be Well is a place that connects your financial well-being to your personal well-being. It's a place to inspire and learn, to define your aspirations, to begin articulating what well-being looks like for you, and a place to provide the financial tools needed to achieve your financial goals and live your intended life. Because when you plan well, you can be well, now and in the future. To learn more, visit planwellbewell.com. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.